Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. And today is an uh, exciting day for our church. Uh, I'm excited because I see some folks here who, um, because of health reasons, have not been to church. But because of, I think, the deacon ordination, you see them this morning. So those of you know who I'm talking to, thank you uh, for making it out here and honoring our uh, deacons. Um, I appreciate that. I know they do. And so uh, I, I pray that not only you're blessed, but everyone else will be as well. Uh, I want to talk to you all today about a topic of, is there not a cause? And um, before I do that, let me just explain a little bit about ordination, why we're doing this, what it means, um, and, you know, maybe fill in the blanks. And so when we talk about ordination in uh, a, a church, um, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that this is going to induce in superpowers on these men. It, it's not. All right. Um, wives, I'm sorry. Uh, the, you, you're not getting anything extra special uh, except a couple of gifts when you leave here today. Um, matter of fact, uh, an ordination usually puts a target on uh, men's back. And, and so the, the enemy wants to help them um, fall. And so, you know, when it comes to ordination, we're, we're not making them special. What we have, though, as a church body, as a body of believers... We have identified these men for their wisdom. We have identified these men for their calling. And what's interesting is the reason why uh, deacons were selected was it was uh, local leaders from in the body to represent everybody else. And so uh, today we add three more to our role. And what they are doing, you as a church selected them, and what they will do is they will represent you. They will make sure that when you have needs, that if they find out about them, we'll take care of those. They will make sure that um, when hard times are happening, that as this uh, body of believers grows, that you don't slip through the cracks and your church family doesn't miss out on a chance to minister to you. Not only that, they will uh, be the ones that are leading us in the direction that we go. They're going to be at the front taking those steps and saying, follow me. This is, this is the way we're headed. And so what's interesting is um, Martin Luther, when he talked about the office of deacon, uh, he, want, he made two points. He goes, number one is these are just normal men. You know, there's nothing special about them. They're not more spiritual than you. Um, they are uh, not prettier than you, trust me. Um, but they have been selected by you to represent you. And so that's what we are doing today is publicly acknowledging that uh, we have put our, our faith and our trust. And we believe that God has a, a calling on their life to lead our church. Well, um, when I think of our new deacon body, you'll notice something that when we add, added these three men, the average age of our deacons got cut in half. Now, that was on purpose. Uh, 
we sat down and we uh, made a conscious effort to reach out and find uh, younger men of God that, um, you know, were wise, that had, uh, or were ready to serve, that had leadership. And so that's how we ended up with three young men um, on this uh, being added to our deacon body. And so as I thought about today, how, how do I ch- send a charge to you guys, all right, and send you out here on fire? And I thought about a young guy in the Bible, and his name was David. And his father, Jesse, had um, just sent three of his brothers off to war. And they were um, literally camped out on a mountainside. And on the other side of this valley, um, there was the Philistine army. And there they were preparing to go to battle. And every day this one Philistine would come down. His name was Goliath. He was about 10 feet tall. He was a giant. And he would mock and ridicule all of those soldiers on the Israel side. And so as he would mock and as he would ridicule them, this would happen in the morning and at, in the uh, evening. And, and to be honest, the Israeli soldiers, they hated this. Well, about this time, a couple weeks into this, uh, Jesse sends his youngest son to go check on his three oldest brothers who were drafted into the army, and they were there. Uh, and, and Jesse didn't know what was going on. He didn't know, you know, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the ability to text. They didn't have telegraph. They didn't have phones. Uh, so what he did was he sent uh, David with some uh, food to kind of bribe his uh, leadership so they'd take care of his brothers. And what he wanted to find out was, how are my three sons? And so David showed up, and like any younger brother, he gave the gifts away. And then he, I could just imagine he's walking around this army that's encamped on this mountain, and he sees these soldiers that are bigger than life. And, and so he's just listening to all the conversations that are going on. He's probably asking questions. And one question that he asks is, he's like, who is that guy that keeps coming out and keeps yelling and keeps disrespecting our God. And about that time, his brother, his older brother, Eliab, came up. So um, I'm going to read a, a, a Bible verse to you from 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 28, it's there on the screen for you. It says this, Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. What did he hear? He heard David asking, hey, why is this guy getting away with all this stuff? Why are we just letting him come down into the valley and mock our God? Is anyone going to do anything about that? And then if so, what's going to happen to the person who does something about it? Well, the verse goes on and it says, and he said, why have you... And this is Eliab talking to his little baby brother. He says, why have you come down? Now... Eliab knew that his father had sent him, and he's got to know that dad just wants to know, are my three sons okay? But he's the big brother, and he sees his little brother out there stirring it up, and so now he's a little bit angry. And, and with whom have you left those few sheep? I mean, he ridicules his brother, the sheep herder, saying, you know, it, it's just a few sheep. Who'd you leave those with? Like, your job's not that important. And then he concludes, and he says, I know your presumption." And the evil of your heart. This is the older brother talking to David. For you have come down to see the battle. Now I don't know about you if any of you have seen combat. But um, it looks great on the movies. It sounds great around the dinner table when somebody survived it and comes back and, and is able to share their stories. But the reality of it isn't like that. 
When you're, when you're camped out on that mountain, there's not a lot of food. There's, there's not a lot of contact. You're worried that this day might be the last day. And so you could see the stress that uh, the older brother is under. And now here he is reaching and he's, he's, he, that stress has kind of got him to a breaking point And he attacks his little brother. And then David responds in the next verse with these words. And he says, what have I now done? And then he asks this question, which I base this message off of. Is there not a cause? And what he was referring to was that giant coming down into this valley and he's ridiculing our God. Are we just going to sit around and let that happen? Is there not a cause? Well, man, I just want to share three very quick things with you and very important things that that you will uh, remember over the next months and years to come. And this is number one is when there is a cause, you are going to face opposition. And that opposition is going to be external opposition like Goliath. And that opposition is going to get bigger now that you're deacons. That opposition might look like cancer. That opposition might look like a disease. That opposition may take the form of um, a tragedy at work. That opposition that's external is going to come after you men. And it's going to try to break you down. It's going to mock your God. It's going to ridicule what you stand for. But you know, it's not just that external opposition. It's not just going to be that Goliath. You're also going to face internal opposition. Believe it or not, some of the people that are supporting you here today may become part of the opposition next year. And and here's what I want you to understand is, I don't believe when our family tries to hold us back that they do this intentionally. I don't think that they're doing this because they want to hurt you. I think sometimes they do it for your safety. You know, I wonder if Eliab, when he thought about David, and he was worried that the fighting could st- break out any time, and he might get killed, the youngest brother. And so he's trying to hurt his brother. But he doesn't know what God has instilled in David's heart. He doesn't know the plan that God has for David. And so with the best of intentions, your family may try to hold you back. Not only that, but your church family may be the group that, ha- that gets in the way and helps you stumble and-, and tries to keep you from living out God's will in your life as a deacon. And again, I don't think that they do this intentionally or out of malice, but sometimes, you know what? The devil is more interested in if you just don't show up than that you show up and do a great work. Well, not only is... Do we expect that there is going to be opposition, but men, there is an expected outcome. David experienced this, and that expected outcome is victory. He told his uh, brothers exactly what should happen if somebody should go down there and take care of that giant. He told the, all the soldiers that were listening, why are you guys sitting around? Somebody, take up arms. I'd do it. And the word got back to Saul. And Saul said, get that guy in here. Now, I don't know if they told Saul this was a 17-year-old punk. But all of a sudden, David shows up at Saul's tent. And and David says, look, I I was a shepherd. And I killed a bear. I killed a lion. And he goes, and while I did it with my own hands, the Lord was with me. And men, here's what I want to tell you. When the expected outcome of victory is on your side, and here's what you need to understand. Just like David understood, it wasn't Saul's armor that was going to help him. 
And, and while I, I, I got to tell you all about this. All right. So it's a, it's a little, it, I found it humorous. But on Thursday night, um, I, uh, three, three of us couples uh, had a dinner. And after dinner, I had this bright idea. There's an upcoming message series coming. And I'm going to introduce to you a church uh, about a, a book called The Five Love Languages. And so I had this brilliant idea. Hey, you know what? Let's test it out on this population before I do it with the whole church. And so they, they all took this test. And we got our results back, and it was funny. We were talking about what's the high and what's the, like, non-existent. And all four of them, husbands and wives, non-existent gift-giving. And all I could think was this table. (laughs) I'm about to present them with some nice gifts, and they aren't going to appreciate it. (laughs) So Jerome and Brittany, I hope that you all enjoy your gifts. All right, because I know these guys are going to lie. They're going to tell me, oh, we love it. But um, I know better because that's not the language they speak. Um, no, I, what you see down here, th- that armor, that is the Lord's armor, man. And what I want you to think about when you see this possibly at your house, um, displayed prominently, Jerome. <laughs> when you see that armor, I want you to remember every day what the Bible tells us, and that is to put it on. And... The armor that Saul was offering to David was worthless. And David knew that. And David also knew that he couldn't do it in his own ability. And men, I'm here to tell you, as good as you all are, and that's why we picked you, but as good as you are, you can't do it in your own power. Your effort is going to get you out the door. It's going to get you in the door, but it's not going to make a difference. What's going to make a difference is what David learned. And that is it's through the word of God. Matter of fact, he penned a a Bible verse later on in his life. And I think it goes right back to this. Uh, Psalm 127.1, my life verse says this. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And the reality is this, men. You have been called upon by our church to help build this body of believers. And if you do it in your own power, you'll fail. But if we will rely on God and let God be the builder and use our hands and use our feet and use our strong backs, we will be successful. And in this position as deacon, men, you have been appointed as the watchman. You are to be taking care of this body, making sure that we know what needs are out there. And if you try to do it in your own power, you'll fail. But if you rely on God... You'll learn what David learned. And that is, you will succeed and you will succeed in a marvelous way. Well, the battle start, or the, the, it, back to David's story, he starts, um, he says these words in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 45. And he says, as he goes down and now he's facing the Philistine, Dave, uh, Goliath. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. And trust me, it's going to feel like that, men. That the Goliath outside of these walls, it's going to look like he's got a sword, a spear, and a javelin. And, and he's throwing all that at you. He's throwing it all at your family. He's throwing it all at this church. But here's what we need to remember. And that's what David said in the rest of the verse. He says, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. You know, men, that's what we need to do. Is if, the Bible tells us if we'll lift Jesus high, he'll draw all men to him. 
That is our cause. You see, there is a cause for you and I. And that cause is, if you look at the background of that picture, it's a picture of Centralia. There are 50 churches in Centralia, but you know what? Uh, we need to be a church that draws all men that, to Jesus. We need to be a church that relies on the power of Jesus. And when we do that, we'll experience victory. When we do that, you will be successful in this role as a deacon. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4.10, and it really nails down as young men, what should we be focused on? And it says this, For to this end we toil and strive. And trust me, you can ask men who've gone before you as deacons, uh, toil and strive is a good definition of what it feels like to, to lead a group of believers. It's going to be tough. There are going to be great days, and there are going to be not so great days. There are going to be wonderful years, and then there are going to be barren years. And you have to remember, why are we doing this? Because we have our hope set on the living God. That's why. That's why you're here today. That's why your family's here supporting you. That's why we have set you apart. Because you have your eyes set on God. So what happens when we set our eyes on the living God? Well, that's what makes us different. In Christianity, all other religions, their God is dead and in a grave. In Christianity, we're the only one where ours rose from the dead three days later. And here's what I want you to understand is that not only do we serve that living God, but if you look at that verse again, what it says is this. That he is the savior of all. Now, folks, I want to stop talking to them for a minute, and I just want to share this with the congregation. Jesus Christ, put the verse back up there. Jesus Christ, if you'll read those words, who is the Savior of all people. The most important decision any of us can ever make is, do we believe that? Because here's the reality. All those other religions, if you've ever done any study, all those other religions, everybody's seeking a Savior. In Christianity, not only do we serve a risen Savior, but our Savior is seeking us. And our Savior has done everything possible. You see, there's only two ways that you can get saved and spend the, the rest of eternity in heaven. And that's the one is to live a perfect life. And I don't know about you, but we'll just start right up here. I didn't make that cut. And I'm not going to come down and, and ask everyone to, to give an account whether you've ever made a mistake and sinned. But the reality is we know that the Bible tells us that we have. And so why would a God who loves us ask us to do the impossible? When we can't, it's not possible. It's, there's no way that this will happen. Here's why. Because he did it. He sent his son to leave heaven, to live on this earth, to live a perfect life that we couldn't live, to die for our sins, and to show proof that, that he was who he said he was, he raised him from the dead three days later. Amen? Amen. That's what this is all about. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. 
To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.